Sports Radio 929 the game, 929thegame.com. Sam and Greg on the Saturday morning, August 27th. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making us a part of your Saturday morning. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning from our usual time, 6 until 10. Got a late start today, but things are finally getting back to normal. It only took three hours. Say to you, good morning, Georgia! Good morning! And that is Eric Slaughter, who's been filling in for Sam. I want to say a, a good morning to you folks in Snellville and North Decatur. I forgot the Snellville last hour. You forgot the Snellville well, last hour? Well, we're kind of busy here. Well, we, well I mean, Sam would really be upset with you if he was here because Snellville is a little bit of his stomping grounds. And, and shout First out to Baptist everybody. Church out there to everybody yeah. in, in Snellville, too. So okay. I know them folks so. out there. You know, but anyway, we forgot to mention Love them all. Earlier. DeKalb County and Gwinnett County, and we appreciate them all for listening. And I'll, I'll keep Greg on his P's and Q's a little more. Thank you. Uh, also, that um, the casting call list is up at Get Cast with Greg on Twitter if you want to go and check out the um, – the job opportunities. I'll be on with Cannon on Star 94 on Monday and then Ramona on Tuesday, V103. Coming up, we're going to talk to D. Orlando Ledbetter. Falcons get ready for uh, Jacksonville, their last preseason game. We're going to be all, all over it. Pre-game starts at 1 o'clock. Kick is at 3 o'clock. Of course, Wid for Tailgate Show follows us with John Chuckery and Hugh Douglas right there at 11 o'clock. So we're going to get you worked up into this game and all kinds of questions we got for D-Led, whether they'll be answered today. Eh, who knows? But we are, uh, we're getting you ready for pregame. Um, Want to do this again. We, we played it earlier in the show, and as long as these guys are continuing this feature, this special feature called School Days on the High School Scoreboard Show, we're going to present it to you on Saturday mornings because a lot of people weren't up on Friday nights or they were out doing other things. But you need to check out this segment. One of the most popular segments of the High School Scoreboard Show, or HSSS, and that is School Days. Sam Crenshaw, Chris Parker, Talk to a well-known football player. You may know him from college. You may know him from the pros. But they are going to spend their time with him talking about their time playing Georgia high school football. And this week's installment is with DJ Shockley. Here he is on School Days, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. DJ Shockley, welcome to the High School Scoreboard Show. Chris, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. And, uh, Chris, man, I learned the best from Sam, man. I watched Sam for a long time, so <laughs> I'm just trying to walk in the footsteps of the great Sam Crenshaw. No, man. Uh, you, you're retracing the steps. You, you're reinventing those steps with all the things that you're doing. <laughs> Glad you got some time for us tonight because so many things there. You're working with University of Georgia. You're working with the Falcons. Some, uh, and, obviously, you got High Five Sports. You guys got your show coming up tonight. Uh, so it keeps you close. To your high school days. So we wanted to talk with us a little bit about that tonight. You know, when you think about the time at North Clayton, what are some things that come rushing to your mind? What's the first thing when you think about that time that comes to mind for you? Well, I think, obviously, the first thing is my dad. Obviously, you know, he was my coach for four years. And, uh, you know, a lot of guys who get to go up through high school or go up through the middle school or whatever ranks and your dad gets to coach you, it's always a pretty cool uh, thing. Um, I think going through it, um, the first couple of years was kind of uh, a little on the iffy side because my mom, she didn't want my dad to coach me because she knew how hard he was, and he was. He would get on to me, and I would do the right thing, but he still would be getting on me because he didn't want to show favoritism. But the first thing <laughs> I, I think about, obviously, is my dad coached me and that experience that I got from him and uh, a lot of things that made me into the man I am today and the player I am today was because of my dad and some of the lessons that I learned uh, throughout high school. It's a challenging dynamic, Sam, and DJ, DJ can test this as a coach when you coach your own kid. I was fortunate I only got daughters, so I didn't coach a son, but I saw it so often. It's way harder than people think. It's hard to separate dad from coach. 
So you either coach at home no or doubt. your dad on the field, and neither one's good. You, you got to be <laughs> dad. What? Some of the came home, it still was, it still was kind of coaching back. Yeah. We'll, we'll have a full day at home, and then we'll come home, and we'll be watching film. So I couldn't get away from the guy. Yeah. Man, it was crazy. He's trying to eat dinner, and they're talking about inside drill. Or seven on seven, <laughs> right? No doubt. No doubt. Uh, well, we're spending time with the high school scoreboard show, spending some time with DJ Shockley. And talk about who the rival was. I think I know, but what was that game that you guys uh, circled? Didn't have to circle on on your schedule because that was the game you always knew. The, the community and the school let you know when that game was coming up. Oh, Sam, you know it is Riverdale all day long. I mean, that was the one game that brought everybody out and the entire community and entire city will come out for that game. Whether it was football, whether it was basketball, uh, it would be a packed house. And uh, obviously, everybody grew up knowing each other. So we, you know, knew each other. We played against each other uh, all the way growing up. And in high school, it just continued. So that rivalry was crazy, uh, especially in, in football and basketball. Uh, I remember in basketball a couple of times, you know, they would, you know, have to close the place down because it was a fire hazard because so many people trying to get in to watch the game. I mean, it was. It was good times, and it's always uh, one of the best robbers I think uh, in the city was was us in Riverdale. Man, man, what what one moment stands out, DJ? I know everybody asks you about your time at the University of Georgia or playing the NFL, but in high school, what one moment stands out as something that you really remember? You know what I, I think, and there are a lot of cool moments uh, in in high school. That I think, but I remember uh, one cool moment. It actually wasn't as cool for us, but it was just a a cool environment to be in. I remember my uh, one of my freshman or sophomore year, we go down in the playoffs and we play Carrollton and we're playing against, I didn't know he would be one of my good friends to this day, but Reggie Brown was, yeah. you know, a big deal out at Carrollton and, you know, he was the Mr. Do-It-All. But I remember us getting to the game literally 10 minutes before the game started. And I just remember my dad saying they gave us the wrong directions. I don't know how true it was or not, but we pull up literally 10 minutes before the game starts, throw our pads on, and literally touch our toes, and they kick the ball off. So that's one moment that I looked at. I was like, man, I don't know how we did it, but guess what? I mean, when you're, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, you can just get off the bus and play football. You don't really need to stretch for real. <laughs> you're only about 50-50 whether that's, he did that on purpose or not. I put it at 50-50. Yeah. There's a possibility that happened. <laughs> <laughs> he just gave him the wrong yeah. direction. But as a coach, you always assume they did. Yeah. What about, let's talk a little bit about what advice you have, DJ. I love this question to ask people, but maybe you more so than anybody because of your current jobs and your experience. What advice do you have for the young guys? We were in the Dome last week. We saw a ton of bins. We saw a ton of guys that are big-time recruits like you were. What advice do you have for them that you've learned through your time as a high school star, went to one of the biggest colleges, went to the NFL, now you're covering all these things? What do these guys need to hear? You know, because I think the number one thing is, and I, I still believe this doesn't get old, I still believe that this is at the root of what it takes to get to the next level, and it's getting your grades early. And a lot of people look at it like, okay, yeah, you know, you want to pass the, the SAT, you want to do all that, get all your scores and all that kind of good stuff, which is absolutely right. Um, but I think the one thing that I think a lot of kids don't understand is how important those ninth and 10th grade years are. Because I know a lot of coaches these days on the collegiate level that go back and they look at what kind of student you were early in your career. Did it matter to you early in the career or did you want to wait till? you know, oh, now I got to get my grades to get it right. And that's not the kind of players 
I think these college coaches want. They want guys that they can depend on at all times, especially in the classroom, because they already got to worry about mm-hmm. what's going to happen on the field. Can they, you know, keep you here? All the kind of stuff that's going on now. But they don't want to have to worry about the academic side of it. Kids that have that academic part that are smart enough to understand that I need to get my grades so that that's one less thing a coach has to worry about. And then ultimately, I think it comes down to you think about some star players around uh, the state and you say, okay, well, this guy's good. That guy's really good. What's going to separate him? Well, maybe one guy doesn't have the grades. He doesn't have the scores. And another guy, he's a, you know, 3.5, 4.0 grade point actually was those are the guys they're going to take over the talent first because of the academic part of it. That's one thing that my dad and my mom instilled in me early was making sure that I got my grades. And ultimately it helped me by the time I got to junior and senior that, you know, my grades were on par. So I, I tell kids all the time, don't wait till your junior year to start worrying about pulling those grades up. You got to make sure you do it early in your career, especially starting out in ninth grade. Folks, we're spending time, glad to be spending some time with our school day segment tonight here on the High School Scoreboard Show with DJ Shockley. Of course, you've seen him play for, for the University of Georgia, seen him play with the Falcons, and, and now you see him on Fox 5 and so many other places. Uh, but, but, but he's spending a little time with us tonight. And DJ, I want you to talk about Clayton County and the talent that's come out down there before you, after you. I mean, I, mean, I, I was there, and I saw your dad had a chance to see him this summer uh, when they renamed uh, the, uh, the, the stadium under Hires Ward. And it was great to see him there, but to see so many guys and the memories of all the guys who've come through Clayton County, even going back to folks like Andre Hastings, uh, people like Tashard yeah. Choice, you know, Morgan Burnett, yeah. uh, the, the Douglas yeah. brothers over Jonesboro. Talk about this talent yeah. that's always been down in Clayton <laughs> County. And what's so great, Sam, all those names you mentioned, you know, it goes back from, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, all the way through the 2000s that continues to have that kind of talent. And you see a lot of guys from Clay County go on to do really good things in college. see a lot of guys go on to the, to the National Football League and play. Um, I know Kyle Lowe is another guy from North Clayton who was a guy who, you know, went on and, you know, played on the college level, then played for Carolina for a while. I mean, there's so many guys that you can think about uh, that came from, you know, Clayton County. And for me, uh, Hines was one of the guys that I looked at uh, coming out. I remember me and my dad going to watch him at Forest Park. And it was a big reason why I wanted to win number three. I saw him running around at Terra State and just making plays all over the field and obviously goes to Georgia. But that's kind of stuff that kind of propelled me into the to kind of the player I was because I saw so many talented guys before me. And my dad took me to those games and said, hey, if you want to be great, you want to be, you know, remember around here, you got to play like this guy. And I remember so many guys before me that really paved the way. And I just wanted to be one of those guys too that when kids came and watched the game and say, wow, he gave everything, and he's a guy that, you know, I want to be like growing up. So, so many great just people as well as athletes uh, that, that go on uh, in Clayton County. It's a reason why, you know, there's so many guys on throughout the years that come from Clayton County that, you know, have succeeded. DJ, not just football for you and also being the quarterback, that's a position to put in a lot of work and leadership with basketball and track. Talk about the the, uh, the pluses you get from being a multiple sport athlete because it's one thing and you just stick to that one thing. How did that help you? Yeah, and that's kind of the big thing that now that, you know, now that I got a son of my own that's 10 years old and I've stressed uh, that I want him to be able to do every sport, play every sport. And I think simply it just teaches you a lot in sports that I played. I remember, you know, football taught you so much about teamwork, about, you know, having to depend on others, basketball was another sport where, you know, it's five guys working for one common goal to get a ball in a hoop, but you got to play defense. You got to, you know, got to talk. You got to communicate. 
Uh, track was another sport that helped me individually try to find that motivation inside of me to say, all right, now you don't have the guys around you. Now you got to go out and do it yourself. How can you motivate yourself when those other team sports allowed you to do that and, and play baseball as well, similar as basketball and football. You had guys around you that can help you. And it just – it all the sports, I think, individually teach you something different and ultimately makes you into the person and player you are because of those locker rooms, because of the people you're around, because of the situations and obstacles you got to go through in those different sports. It absolutely helps you become a better person and player. And that's one thing I, I always tell kids today, do everything. Play every sport. Uh, you know, make sure that you're a well-rounded player. And then once you get to, a, you know, a higher ranking, then, then you can choose a sport that you like. But I thought earlier growing up it was so important, especially going through high school, that I played, you know, a lot of different sports. One, I loved all the sports, but I knew each one taught me something different um, that I have, you know, ultimately taken into my life now. And now I remember those experiences. I can kind of instill those into my son today who, you know, does everything as well. It's a, it's a great answer, by the way, Sam. Every coach is applauding that because most people want kids to play more sports. They really do. Most people applaud that. And we got to get that word out more often. And people who play in the NFL, play at the highest level of college, say that over and over. But here's what I got the question for. Okay, My last okay, question, okay? okay? All right. And this is an important one because DJ Sam was really talking your basketball skills up before we had you. <laughs> Off there, he was talking you up as a basketball player. And we had Harry Douglas on last year, and you were talking him up as a basketball player. Yep. So if DJ and Harry – Got into one-on-one right now. now Harry might who, be listening. Harry might be listening. I mean, who you got? That's, That's what who, I was who, asking. Who, I mean, who, who, Harry might be listening right now. Well, he might. You but know, I'm hey, asking. We're hey, talking hey, to DJ, hey, so hey, I'm Harry assuming gonna, DJ's going to take this one, right? Harry's going to tell you, or he's going to know all day is me. You know that. You know that. <laughs> I mean, Harry, Harry, Harry looks jittable. He's sad, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he knows. He knows. Them little clay boys with nothing to play with. So. <laughs> he backed well, him down. Harry, he's getting the size he, he knows. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. DJ, before we let you go, let, let's talk about hi- High Five Sports and, you know, uh, what you're getting a chance to do over there. You're here on Friday nights and the, the things you're getting a chance to to be plugged in with high school sports uh, actively again through being over at Fox 5. Yeah, it's an unbelievable thing, man. Obviously, you know, uh, over at Fox 5, we've covered high school sports for so long. I remember when I was coming up, Actually, our producer, Chip Zeller, he would he would be the guy that's, you know, out with us, and he interviewed me. I remember coming up. So now to be working for Fox and have the opportunity to go back and see some of these great games, see some of these great athletes, and see the environment of high school football. I mean, I think that's where the love of the game comes from. I mean, I was sitting here watching, you know, one of the high school games, I think Mill Creek and Norcross are, you know, on ESPN2 right now. Like, and you see – you look in the stands and you see how excited the kids are. You see, you know, you can smell the tailgates. I mean, nothing like that Friday night smell of that grass and do. So it, it's cool to be able to cover it and have those feelings come back that you had when you played high school. And these kids got to soak it up. They got to enjoy it. I don't think they understand how good they got it right now, mm-hmm. uh, especially playing in a, a rich state like Georgia. There's so much great football around this state. And the fact they get to do it every Friday amongst, you know, a lot of great fans and diehard, you know, fans coming to watch them every week. So high school football has been cool. It's been fun. And I'm glad we get to cover it every single week. Yeah, you're one of the people who raised the bar for them. They got to reach up there to get it because you put it up there pretty high during your time at North Clayton. DJ Shockley, we appreciate you spending some time and, and going through your school days with us on this Friday night. And we'll be catching you late, little later on and, and all weekend long because you're going to be everywhere. 
Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com on this Saturday morning. Man, it's been a minute since we heard that music, Eric. Thank you for putting that on. It only means one thing. We welcome in for the first time as we approach this football season, D. Orlando Ledbetter. As we get ready for Falcons, the last preseason game today. Again, I want to remind you the Falcons-Jaguars pregame at 1 o'clock kick at 3 p.m. You can hear that right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. We say good morning to D-Led and thank him for being a part of the show. Hope you're doing well, sir. Doing great. Thanks for having me this morning. Now, uh, D-Led, before we get into this Falcon stuff, uh, Eric Slaughter, our producer, wanted to mention something to you first and foremost. Well, I had a. I want to know whether or not, you know, with this being preseason, are we going to be in regular season mode, D-Led? When I see you in a couple hours up in the press box area, are you going to be in regular season clean, D-Led sharpness, or are you going to scale it down a little bit and be a little casual? Talking about a man's wardrobe, Yes, you? I am. No, we go uh, we go all out for, for the game, so we'll be ready today. Greg, uh, the, you talking about this? the bow tie out later on today. Yeah. Uh, the sharpest dressed man at Mercedes-Benz Stadium right here. Boy, he be clean, clean like the Board of Health. Okay, well, he was brought up right. <laughs> he knows when he leaves his door, he's supposed to be looking good. As all, We expect nothing less than that. All right, D-Led, we got two preseason games under our belt. You go through this every year, but for those of us who aren't as, as, as connected with this professional <coughs> team as others, what is it that we should take from these two games, and, and what is it about this 2022 Falcons team that's so much noticeable, other than the obvious at quarterback position, that may be different than Arthur, Smith, Arthur Smith's first preseason with this Falcons team? Yeah, well, the uh, big takeaway is the offense has been able to score uh, three out of their four drives. Uh, they, uh, you know, uh, look pretty good moving the ball around. Just a little splash of cow pits. Haven't used Cordero Patterson much. But, uh, you know, those two guys will be a big part of the offense along with Drake London. Defensively, they're coming together. Had a bad outing in Detroit. Uh, bounced back with a good outing against the uh, Jets. Forced uh, four punts to start the game. So they're coming together. That's where they're at right now. Uh, probably won't see too much today, but uh, they are aiming for the September the 11th game against the Saints. I want to go back to what you said about the offense and, and Desmond Ritter specifically because were you as surprised at his play? And, again, I'm, it's a small sample size. It's preseason. I get it. But what you have seen from him so far, given, you know, being the backup and, and just his ascent into the uh, into this next level. Uh, yeah, a little bit surprised. He's a little bit ahead of where you think a rookie would be. Uh, he's really getting the ball down the field and uh, hitting some backup receivers and moving the ball around. So he's very, uh, you know, the running, we, we knew he could do that. Uh, he ran a little bit against the Lions, but stayed in the pocket against the Jets and delivered the ball. So uh, I think he's a little bit ahead of the game right now. All right, D-Led, you correct me if I am wrong. I'm looking here on LandonFalcons.com, looking at the statistics from preseason game one, preseason game two. And so much great things on offense. Defenses look better. But there's one category that I'm not really seeing a, a number and definitely not any crooked numbers, and that's in the sack category. When are we going to finally see an Atlanta Falcon defense that can get to the quarterback? Yeah, they're working on that. Uh you got some new people, Arde, Agunda J, Lorenzo Carter, coming off the edge, Tyquan Graham, the 
the big addition at the defensive end opposite of Grady. Uh, and, um, you know, they had one sack, uh, had one taken away, Quinn Bell sack. So, uh, yeah, they need to they need to get to the quarterback here. They need to come up the middle and around the edges. Uh, we just haven't seen that yet in the exhibition season. Do we need to worry about not seeing Drake London so far this year or just a little bit? Um, Not at all. Uh, well, they say he's fine, so I'm going to take their word on it. Uh, uh, Greg, uh, he looked great in the offseason. He looked great before he took a, a hit against Detroit. So, uh, you know, we've seen a little bit of him, and, and we think he's going to be just fine. D-Led, uh, throughout the show today, Eric and I have gone around the Falcons, and there's really not much to di- do a deep dive into. It is what it is. It's preseason. As you said, not going to see much today against the Jaguars. But what we have done is gone around this division. And if you want to subscribe to the theory that this is Tampa Bay's division to lose, but you look at what's going on with South Carolina, Donald going down, what Jameis may or may not do in New Orleans, how do you see this division and who, if it is Tampa Bay's, are going to be vying for that second position? Yeah, right now you got to say the same. They have a defense. Uh, you know, they got a good unit. The Falcons and Carolina are putting things together on both sides of the ball. New quarterback in, in Carolina. So I think you still got to go Tampa Bay, New Orleans, and then Carolina and the Falcons are, are duking it out as they both try to put something together here and get back to respectability in the NFL. Okay, D-Led, you got four days from today that you got to get down to 53. Now, most of us can go look at this roster and say, yeah, I'm, this guy's got to go, this guy's got to go, this guy's got to go. But give me a name or two that have played their way onto this roster. Yeah, the tight end, the, uh, no, not the tight end, the wide receiver, uh, Jared Bernhardt, the lacrosse kid, he's, uh, he's in the mix, that wide receiver. Uh, D. Offert, the former Canadian Football League player from Spalding High, uh, Griffin, Georgia, he's going he's a he's been pretty much a nickelback right now until Isaiah Oliver gets back. So those are two names to watch as they cut down Jared Bernhardt at wide receiver and D. Offert at cornerback. D. Orlando Ledbetter joining Sam and Greg here with Eric Slaughter this morning, Sports Radio 929 The Game. 92.9thegame.com. Before we let you go, I wanted to ask you about two names, um, very prominent names that we lost in the world of football this past week, and any stories that you may have or connections with them, just thoughts about them. The first one is Don Coriel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was, you know, we've uh, been working to get him into the Hall of Fame. He uh, advanced out of the coach contributors this week. Uh, I was uh, – a young kid in St. Louis when he started out there, uh, you know, with uh, Jim Hart and, and uh, the Air Coriel, the, right. the, the early stages of it. Then he took it uh, to the next level in San Diego. He's the uh, modern uh, architect of the modern passing game and puts mm-hmm. in the number systems and so forth. So uh, it was good to see him finally get uh, – into the, um, you know, he's in the finalist category as a coach slash contributor. He should go in. Anybody who's got a, who's got a nickname with Eric Coriel, he should be in the Hall of Fame. And uh, earlier in the show, we were talking about the significance of the Kansas City Chiefs 
winning that fourth Super Bowl. You know, it was the Packers, the first two. Joe Namath makes the prediction, gives the AFL a little bit of credibility, but it doesn't sustain itself unless the AFL continues to win. In that fourth Super Bowl, the Kansas City Chiefs, led by Len Dawson, they get it done with Hank Stram. Those thought, your thoughts on that team and Len Dawson? Yeah, uh, great, great players on that team on both sides of the ball. Willie Lanier, Curly Cope, uh, Otis Taylor getting down the field. Uh, but Graham and his uh, matriculating the ball down the field. <laughs> Lynn Dawson was a great guy from Alliance, Ohio. Uh, got cut by uh, a couple teams, including the Cleveland Browns, before he uh, catches on with Kansas City and, uh, you know, went to Purdue. Uh, and turned into one of the great quarterbacks of his era. A great team they had in Kansas City, and he was the leader at quarterback for those Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, one of those few people that made it into the Hall of Fame, not only as a player, but also as a broadcaster. D-Led, this is the first of many visits with you, man. Enjoy your day, enjoy the game, and do whatever it is you got to do out there. Keep Eric in check, too. You're going to see him this afternoon. But, again, he'll be out there. Well, all right, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, Greg and Eric. You all take care. There you go. D-Orlando Ledbetter here uh, joining us. Give it, like, again, Falcons, Jaguars, 1 p.m. pregame, kick o'clock, uh, kickoff, 3 o'clock. You can hear that game right here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. But before that, of course, we got the Wade Ford Tailgate Show with John Chuckery and Hugh Douglas. They are following us. I heard one of them out there in the bullpen right now. I know they're, they're, they're in the house. They're, yeah. they're ready to go. They're chomping at the bit. Prepping themselves. Dela's voice sounded a little bit like he yeah, worked up there. Yeah, okay. you know, he talks to a lot of people. Yeah, Couldn't be happier that he yeah. made some time for us. And more importantly, that he decided to talk to me as opposed to me and Sam. Or you know, me and, and you. And you, and you got to give uh, D-Led all the respect. Have you ever been to an uh, Atlanta Falcons press conference? Oh, yeah, that, yeah. He don't care. He is, he's doing his job. But I, well, I'm not going to talk about the questions that he asked. I'm talking about the press conference don't begin until D-Led walks in the room. They'll, they'll wait because he gets the first question. So, if the, you know, we have the, the cooling off period that they have. Mm-hmm. But he's gathering around, and they're like, well, let's, let's get ready to begin. And they'll say, well, hold up. D-Led's not here yet because when they say, uh, let's start with questions, we know who's going first, and the court, the the you know the coordinator of the press conference say, "Okay, D-Led, you're up." So it's I mean he's the man. He the, is the man. The uh, the Helen Thomas of sports broadcasters. There it is. You know, but think about it. I think what is easy now. I didn't have a chance to answer that, but I want to say he's the president of the Football Writers Association. I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's if he's not, he has been in the past. But the man has I'm got more sure credentials than we know. Yeah, he is a he is a true Renaissance man. Couldn't be happier to have access to him. There he is. Could yeah. not. All right, we're going to wrap things up here in a little bit, some stuff that we have not had a chance to cover. Uh, thank the people who joined us this morning before we turn things over to the Wade for Tailgate Show coming up at top of the hour. Sam and Greg, Eric Slaughter in for Sam this morning. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. Take us with you on the Odyssey app. Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929thegame.com. Sam and Greg, Eric Slaughter in for Mr. Crenshaw this morning. He will be back. I will be back. Eric will be back all together tomorrow morning. 
You should see him dancing back there. See, y'all taking a page from me, the way I dance. You made fun of me when I was doing it. Now you're doing it. No, nah, but I just the, you what see. you were doing to that country music, I don't know if we can call what that you mean country music? When are you talking about me doing the country music? Well, that day I was playing Aggie Break Your Heart, and you, I you was, stood no, up no, and, no, 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 no. You seem to forget something. I was doing a bunch of stuff in here. It wasn't just yeah, the country. Okay. Anyway. But no, that's, you know. Go ahead. Do what you, tell what you're going to say, and I'll tell you my butt story. You, you you told it before, but tell it again. That's okay. Well, well, first off, I'm I'm from that area where go go music was born and bred, and I grew up going to go go concerts. There's not a lot of people that can say that, right? And of course, that's our Morehouse theme song, the butt. Okay. So you know, if you ever come, I gotta get you to a Morehouse basketball game. You and Sam. Now, when you're on the air like this, you realize you're talking to more than me. So when you yes. say phrases, you're assuming that everybody knows what you're talking about when you say go go stuff like this and other. The audience, not everybody audience, is well, in tune okay, with that. You're right. so, so the band EU, they, their, their genre of music is called Go-Go, which is a genre of music born and nourished in the Baltimore, Washington, D.C. area. And, you know, EU is one of the biggest go-go bands. And I grew up going to, like you talk about the blues of Chicago. Yeah. The go-go sound of the D- DMV. D.C., Maryland, and Virginia area, that's part of our culture. That's another little thing there, a little phrase. You just yeah. drop that acronym there. and DMV, why? Well, you grew up in an area. D.C., well, Maryland, Virginia. They, that's how they say it up yeah, there, huh? DMV, that's right. You're educating the audience. You talk about us educating you a lot. That's what you got to do sometimes. Hey, we're talking about Falcons getting ready for their last preseason game. You can listen to every Falcons game, along with all the music and news that Atlanta needs right here on the Odyssey app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9thegame.com. As you can hear, that's Eric Slaughter. He's in for Mr. Crenshaw. We, As I said, we'll be back tomorrow. Want to uh, touch on a couple things that we haven't had a chance to, and that is we covered a lot of it last week, but we haven't had one second. So, Eric, get ready. Jump in here. And just your thoughts on what's going to happen tonight at kickoff for the MEAC uh, SWAC Challenge. Well, I'll tell you this. I got my running shoes on because okay. I have my obligation. I have to go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium at 3 o'clock. Well, I got to be there right after we sign off the air because we do our whole practice. We did a whole dress rehearsal. I felt like I was with That's you, what you on, do. on one of your Broadcast. sets yeah, man. Uh, on Thursday. We went through the whole script for our – actually, we had to do both. We had to do Atlanta United and Atlanta Falcons on the same day. Okay. So that was a six-and-a-half-hour dress rehearsal. And this rehearsal was, again, for? For both of our game productions for the Falcons game today, Atlanta United game tomorrow. So I'm a part of the Falcons game production Doing – uh, all your in-game entertainment, okay. from the promos to the stadium graphics, the public address, all of it. I'm part of that team. It's a big team. Our boss over there, over there Julius Changlarius, she mm-hmm. runs, she's a very good executive producer. But we ran through the entire script of both the Atlanta United game and the Falcons game. That's right. You rehearsal. Know? Yes. And love rehearsals. Love rehearsal and getting that. People don't realize getting that timing down because when we have yes, our you script – you know, when that clock starts at 90 minutes, they start the clock at 90-minute countdown before kickoff. Right. You know, at 87 minutes, we say this. At 87.30, yep. we do this. And we went through the rehearsal to see if we had the timings correct. You know, cut off a little bit here of that promo because we haven't done them since December. Exactly. You know, the hat promo, the, the T-shirt throw, the Chick-fil-A things. And I'm giving a lot of, you know, free advertising, but that's what they do. And we went through the whole process, and it was a long day. So. Good, but, man. Uh, yeah. I like I like hearing that because I, yeah, I yeah it is. You're right. That's that's kind of what I do when I'm not here doing right. that, and it's the price of doing business. Yeah, but to get the show down, and people don't realize. Yeah. And when you and then think about what you're just talking about for this broadcast. Think about the amount of time it takes to put together, say, like a Super Bowl halftime show, Ooh. and oh, how yeah. many times they have to run through. Now, before 
you know, up until last year, you know, they just build the stage. You know, it was in moving parts. They'd slide it out to the middle and boom, and do it. But that last year's stage was a whole lot different, including the explosion of one end where Eminem came out. Mm-hmm. So everything's being ratcheted up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the amount of times you got to practice that, right. and then you have that window to get it done, one shot, mm-hmm. as Eminem would say. <laughs> you got one you shot. You got one shot. Because yeah. uh, otherwise the commercials are going to start. Mm-hmm. If so-and-so is still singing, sorry. Yeah. You know, it's, right. it, it's like the end of a you know, right. Star Spangled Banner. Yeah. Where them jets at? You can always tell when they started a little bit late or a little bit early. Oh, the flyover is not perfectly timed. Yeah. Just a little bit off. But to finish what we're saying, when I walk out of there, hopefully at 6 o'clock, no later than 6.15, I'm running straight to Center Park Stadium to hear Sam as he's starting his pregame ceremonies because Sam is the PA for yep. the MEAC SWAC Challenge tonight between Howard and Alabama State. I'm looking forward to it because not only – I'm going to be sad that I'm going to miss a lot of the pregame stuff. I'm going to miss the 2 Chains concert and the Battle of the Bands. Right. But I'm looking forward to seeing HBCUs playing on ESPN, some good football, and uh, just, just having a good time seeing people enjoy HBCUs. And it's going to be great weather tonight. Speaking of which, what's going on with this FAMU game, man, against at North Carolina? It's, it's called with, the like, Carolina Classic. Yeah, they got 20 players that are out. They're protesting. You know, um, and it's sad because Carolina, the state, the town of Chapel Hill, they have really laid out the, laid out the red carpet mm-hmm. for this event. They've built it up and built it up and built it up and for – a signature HBCU like FAMU to decide that this is the time that they want to do some things like this. I'm not real happy about it. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. You know, it's out there all over social media. And then FAMU is, is really trying to do a, a better PR job because just a couple, you know, a couple months ago they had the whole nudity in front of the statue incident, which, once again, Google that if you want to hear about that. So I don't know what's going on with FAMU. FAMU is the one of the beacons of HBCU culture. They got a TV show Following the football team, Chris Paul has produced shows about FAMU. Why would they want to put any negativity on the shine that they have right now? I don't know. There's obviously they feel a reason to do it. And, and, and making noise at one of their biggest events right. is, in the minds of a lot of people, the, the perfect place to the do stage, it. right, yeah. Sam and Greg, Sports Radio 929 The Game, 929thegame.com. I want to thank, uh, before we you know, get into this dump I have to do here, John Nelson from GPB. John was educated on the 27 Club this morning. Didn't know. Some of the people we have lost at age 27 brought that up. I don't know how we went down that, as you said, rabbit hole. But John joined us, talked Corky Kell, talked Crisp County versus Westlake. Is that, was that supposed to be as big a game as you guys talked about? Or was it just like Crisp County? I don't hear that much you or Sam talk. So Crisp County has won several state titles on their level. Like I think he said they're a 3A team. So they're one of the traditional powers of the state of Georgia, but they came up to Atlanta to play a 7-18. It's kind of like, you know, we had um, a coach on last week and the first week of the high school scoreboard show saying that in the beginning of the year, the better competition you can play will prepare you for later in the season. So Chris came up here last night and they didn't do well. But when they got back and the coach said, well, look, guys, we probably just played the the best team we're going to see all year. You know, so if you can get out here on the field with these guys – where they probably had 10 guys going to Division One. You've got ex-NFL guys walking around. you got a current – you heard him say A.J. Terrell was there to see his little brother. Right. You know, you're playing against guys that's going to make it to the, the, the biggest level this game has. You came out here and played them tonight. There's nobody left on our schedule that we need to be afraid of. Are they, are, are, 
Will there be an environment similar to that on Chris, Crisp County's schedule? In other words, coming up here to Westlake and playing the way they did, with the amount of people, the coverage that it got, will they see that again? Not talking about the, the level of competition, but just the environment. I, I'm sure they will. I don't know who their rival is if without looking at their schedule, but like I said, Crisp County has won several state titles, so they, they are a well-respected name in Georgia high school. The reason football. I ask is because we see this every year with baseball where right. the Braves will finish up spring training with a game against Georgia Tech or Georgia right. or some college mm-hmm. team. Mm-hmm. And that's probably going to be Georgia's message or Georgia Tech's message. Look, we're playing – well, you don't have to say who you're playing against. You're playing against the Braves. Now, they may not be at full strength. You may not be, you know, going up against their top pitching uh, pitchers, but still, you're in that environment. And this is going to be something unique given who you're going to be playing when you get back to the ACC opponents. Right. Uh, just wondering again if that was – and by the way, forgive me, but where is Crisp County? In Crisp County. No, I mean, like <laughs> – really, it's, it's, hey, you're 20 minutes here, I tell you. Southwest yeah. Georgia. How far out of Atlanta? I should, oh, I should have started with that. 140, maybe 150 miles? It's South Omega. It's yeah. like, okay, yeah. mm-hmm. more than a nine iron from here. Uh, again, John Nelson, want to thank him for joining us. Corey McCartney joined us talking uh, Braves baseball. Also, a little quick little visit from Dr. Dale Yake from PT Solutions. Also sits on the Concussion, concussion Legacy Board. Wait, wait, wait. i got to say this again. See, there's just way too much here. Concussion Legacy Foundation Board as we talk about Kids getting into um, or playing football as we head into this season. They had a movie that you will see on Casting Call. In fact, let me just do it one more time here just so I can throw this out for those families who didn't hear it earlier. The number one breakdown I have on this week's Casting Call at 92.9thegame.com slash Casting Call is from Game Changing Films. Game Changing Films does nothing but look for athletes to be the opposing team or player in movies. And so there is a new project called Underdogs, a kid's football movie. And they need young male football players, ages 10 to 13. All Miners got to have that certificate from the Georgia Department of Labor. That link is up on my um, casting call. But it it was one of those opportunities to get uh, Dr. Dale to come on here and talk about that because the uh, Concussion Legacy Foundation does reach out and, and, and get information to parents about the the concussions that could happen at that young age. So anyway, we had a nice interview with him about that. And again, the, the signs that you should look for and everything and, and to go just, you know, go to their website and check things out. Also want to thank uh, D Orlando Ledbetter for joining us and the replay. And we might even get it again tomorrow, but I, again, every Friday night, 7 PM, the high school scoreboard show, Sam Crenshaw, Chris Parker, and a host of others keep you up on what's going on Friday night football throughout the area. And they have a segment called school days where they will talk to a former Georgia high school football player. We don't care if this person's in the hall of fame, which by the way was the person they got last year. Calvin Johnson was the first one they got, but started this year with Jamal Lewis last week. And of course the uh, DJ Shockley interview you heard earlier, but every week they're going to have a different person on the school day segment. So we replayed that earlier. Going to play it again when uh, Mr. Crenshaw is with us tomorrow. We want to get that out there. But I want to thank those folks who were part of the show. And, again, I'll be talking to you to uh, Monday with Cannon on Star 94 and Ramona on Tuesday on V103. Before we get out of here, man, what else is on your mind, Eric? Because it's like As the show winds down, it's time for us to cover some of the things we haven't yet as we flush out some of the small stories we may have missed. With Sam and Greg. All right, before we turn things over to the Wade Four Tailgate Show, Eric. Yes. I ask you, 
Did you know, we actually should have the Beverly Hillbillies theme, <laughs> the first successful oil well was drilled on this day. Eric, did you know that the world's most powerful or mightiest, as they put it, explosion happened on this day? It was a volcano. 1,300 megatons. Mm. Killed 40,000 people. This was in Indonesia, 18-whatever. 18, uh, 18 wow. Now, we would normally think this is something special because, you know, who knows what that could be, but we just went through it. The 1918 Spanish flu pandemic hit on this day. Landed in Boston. We know what happened. August 27th. Now, this is one of those that I wonder who really noticed it. What's but that? on this day, Cuba, okay, Cuba declared war on Germany, Japan, and Italy. For what reason? It, but again, it's like it's like your four-year-old nephew picking a fight with you, and you just got home from college. And you just laughed at him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Cuba declared war on Germany, Japan, and Italy on this day, 1942. Did you know today was the first day of the Guinness Book of World Records? It was first published. Oh, yeah? On well, this what day. Was the, what was the first They record? didn't say that. They, they didn't, they, say that. They didn't okay. have an entry yet. If there was something in that book that you want to break or you think you could break, do you know what it is? Like, could you jump rope? Longer than the whatever the record is, or I, I could sleep you, longer than anybody else. <laughs> on this date, came out in theaters. Mary Poppins. Did you see that movie? I have many yeah. times. That one's not on the homework list. This is a, this is a, this is a meeting you wanted to be a, a fly on the wall for. Okay. But the Beatles hung out at Elvis's house on yes. this date. It was a big deal. I would totally want to be there to hear them talk about that. <laughs> I don't know, you know, talk about money, singing, <laughs> lyrics. The, the the women the 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 Elvis wants to ask you where'd you get that jumpsuit from, or something like that. Oh, this is custom made. <laughs> this is custom. This is custom made. You know who put that together? And I would imagine this was '65. A guy by the name of Brian Epstein, who was their manager at the time being. This is a guy who actually gave them their look, gave them the sound, and and helped them become who they were early on. And yet, conversely, on this day, Brian Epstein died, and everything changed for that band. It was in 1967. Mm -hmm. The mop tops were gone. They started hanging out with the Maharishi, and they came back. Sergeant Peppers, a whole different band happened. No no more skinny ties. No skinny skinny ties. It was all about, you know, expanding your mind and different things. But, yeah, that happened on this day. Joe Morgan became the first Major League Baseball player with 200 home runs and 500 stolen bases. (sighs) People in uh, Detroit are still mad about this. Dino Cicerelli was traded from Detroit to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Hockey talk. You can hear in his right here. Yeah. Still can't believe I shook that freaking guy's hand. Mm. Argentina. We talked about this last week. Beat U.S. Team USA. Olympic. In 2004. That was a a silver round. That was the the, the semifinal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Argentina with uh, Manu Ginobili went on to win the gold. Yep. And the rest is history. A couple movies came out on this date. Gravity. Sandra Bullock. Mm -hmm. George Clooney. And uh, Birdman. Michael Keaton. Where were you in 2017 on this day? Um, you, were, you were wondering whether or not you were going to spend the money or get in front of somebody's TV to watch Floyd Mayweather take on Conor McGregor. I remember that watching happened it. happened on this day. Yep, I was in Maryland at a fight party. Remember watching it. And um, I actually was kind of impressed with McGregor's show and the fact that he had never been in the boxing ring. Happy 70th birthday. 70 today. Paul Rubens, otherwise known as Pee Wee Herman. Oh, wow. I was about to say, who is that? <laughs> wow. Jim Tomey, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad having a birthday today. Brianna Stewart, WNBA, uh, happy birthday. This would have been LBJ's birthday. 
What number president was he, if you had to guess? LBJ. 31. Uh, Clyde, he was in the 30s. He was 36. 36. We lost on this day Chocolate Thunder. Daryl Dawkins. Dawkins. Wow, lost okay. him on this day. Lute Olsen we lost on this day. I uh, mentioned Brian Epstein. And for the wrestling fans out there, Bullet Bob Armstrong. Bullet Bob. Ah, w- WWE yeah. Hall of Famer. Listen, the rest of you, have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you for making us a part of your um, Saturday morning. Mr. Crenshaw will be back tomorrow. Coming up next, get ready for Falcons and Jags. 1 p.m. pregame and 3 o'clock kick is the Wade for Tailgate Show with Hugh Douglas and John Chuckery. Have a big day. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, 92.9 The Game.com. Take us with you on the Odyssey app.